This is Brian Oakes, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Erskine, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear reports from Don Wick, Whitney Pittman, and Tyler Donaldson. Well, the ongoing Houthi attacks on commercial ships on the Red Sea have been met with retali <coughs> retaliation by the United States and the United Kingdom. Strikes were carried out on Houthi military positions in Yemen over the weekend. Due to illegal attacks on international shipping, the Biden administration officials indicate more strikes will take place. Kent, Minnesota farmer uh, Pat Fries is a longtime board member for the Mindac Farmers Cooperative and the American Sugar Beet Growers Association. Fries does not expect Farm Bill to be passed this year. Unfortunately, egg gets uh, pushed to the back many times, and now with it being uh, the election process coming up, um, that is really the, the main target of what everybody's concerned about and what everybody's focusing on. So it's unlikely that Farm Bill will come about. There's a you know, possibility of it, but it's, uh, it's not that likely um, at this year anyway. In the current political environment, it's nearly impossible to find compromise. Because other aspects are drying or sucking the oxygen out of the room, and that's the issue where in the Farm Bill, both sides work together and they do what they can to get the Farm Bill passed. And because of the fact that there's so much, uh, not there's so little compromise in any aspect, that um, that's what people look at and say, we need to get something done, but it just doesn't come down that way. The American Sugar Beet Growers Association's annual meeting is underway in Orlando. Topics addressed at this meeting range from politics to sustainability. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has more. Randy, Raymond, Minnesota farmer Nate Hultgren is wrapping up his term as president of the American Sugar Beet Growers Association. Hultgren has been part of the Farm Bill process and has testified before Congress. And then learning about all of the legal battles uphill that we have coming here against, you know, with EPA and different pesticides we need to use on our farms, seeing how at risk those are and how much we have to continue to tell that story and drive it home that this stuff is important, that we maintain these tools for our use in the future for sugar beets. Chlorpyrifos has been an ongoing legal battle. At one point, EPA took away the farmer's ability to use this common insecticide on all food crops. The federal appeals court vacated the EPA rule in November. But in the end, we got the use of clopyrifos back. Of course, in Minnesota now, we've got another battle to get the state to put that back for our use because they, I feel they need to follow the federal guidelines on that. But the state actually at this time we cannot use it. It's not labeled for use in Minnesota. And so that'll be our next step here is to tell anyone we can in Minnesota, whether it's Department of Ag, and I know Tom Peterson is supportive, um, get in front of those folks and at least get it reestablished to the levels that it was before after all that court work that we did to get it back. Is our product available? I don't think the co-ops have been allowed to have it in Minnesota. Speaking for Minnesota, I don't know about other states, but I know that they were required to get rid of it and Farmers couldn't have it, so we're going to have to build up inventory again, too. Coverage of the American Sugar Beet Growers Association annual meeting is sponsored by Beta Seed, the Red River Valley Sugar Beet Growers Association, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. Reporting agriculture's business, this is Don Wick for the Red River Farm Network in Orlando.
Traders continue to watch for demand from China. Agrisampo North American market analyst Sterling Smith says the cotton market may be the first indicator. We've seen a very good move in the cotton market, which is directly related to the Chinese consumer. And if we can see China step in maybe this spring and maybe buy some things, that could provide a little bit of uh, relief to the very situation we're obviously enduring right now. And Smith says that cotton market can be the canary in the coal mine. It can be. We've seen U.S. retail sales appear to have bottomed out for apparel, and that's the first of its time. We saw very strong export sales this week, and really over the last four weeks we've seen a couple of instances of good Chinese buying in the cotton market, and that definitely could be the canary in the coal mine here, indicating that, you know, the economy... Maybe we're going to avoid that recession. The jobs report and unemployment report this morning came out well, well above expectation. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. A Sheldon, North Dakota cow-calf operation is one of six finalists for the Environmental Stewardship Award, National Award. Bartholomew Cattle Company was recognized for its conservation efforts, including rotational grazing, cover crops, and no-till farming. Keith and Carl Bartholomew offered their reaction. I know, I know, I know a lot of farms and ranches that deserve the honor, but nobody's going to appreciate it more than we do. It's uh, humbling to know that uh, after the work that we've done to be selected is, is quite an honor. That national award will be presented during the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Legislative Conference in April. Strong beef demand followed up uh, record years uh, thanks to healthy Latin and South American markets. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson has more. Speaking with U.S. Meat Export Federation CEO Dan Halstrom, what are some of the success stories that you've been seeing in beef exports recently? Well, I think uh, you know, 2022 we were coming off a record year where, where virtually everything was up you know, uh, across the world. Uh, Asia was down a little bit last year, but the real success was Latin America. Mexico, uh, while it didn't set records, uh, it was probably the second yes, best year ever into the Mexican market. Uh, Central America, South America as well, we saw a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of uh, momentum, especially around the food service level, uh, with the tourism picking up, uh, really booming uh, post-COVID. So uh, I would say that part of the world, Caribbean's another region, tourism, of course, uh, a lot of good things going on with U.S. beef there in the last year. And how are meat exports affected by all of the logistics and transportation issues that have been going on this year? Well, the really big uh, supply chain challenge was post-COVID when the whole world had a had a uh, supply chain challenge. Uh, that's definitely, we're well beyond that. But we're starting to see some supply chain uh, constraints uh, over in the Red Sea, around Gaza, and, and uh, you know, near Egypt. Um, so that's throwing some... Uh, it's relatively short term so far, but the longer it goes on, the more this will impact the supply chain as a whole. Because you think about these vessels and the schedules, no vessel just goes to one region. They make a loop and come back. So eventually, if this goes on for any length of time, it's still going to start to compound the, the supply chain challenges and raise costs without a doubt. Yeah, those freight rates are already starting to escalate. Yeah, yeah freight rates. Uh, 
That was U.S. Meat Export Federation CEO Dan Halstrom. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation has been busy over the past week with district meetings and their annual leadership conference. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. MFBF Director of Public Policy Pierce Bennett says district meetings have been an opportunity to hear from membership in their own areas as he prepares for the Minnesota legislative session that begins February 12th. Both our work on a farm bill, Proposition 12 in particular in D.C., but at a state level, making sure our membership know that we're already advocating. We know legislative session is coming up here quickly in, in nearly a week, and we want to be sure that our elected officials know what it is our membership are thinking and feeling, whether it's issues of nitrates, whether it's clean fuel transportation standards, um, and a whole host of other issues we're going to see through St. Paul. We're, we've already started that advocacy, and these summits were not just an opportunity for me to come talk to them about the issues I've been speaking on their behalf for, but it was also an opportunity to make sure that I was hearing what they really wanted us to be speaking about as well. The Leadership, Education, Advocacy and Promotion, or LEAP, conference was held over the weekend in Fargo. Bennett says this was another opportunity to talk with members about issues they're facing and address specific issues in breakout sessions. Throughout the weekend, I had the opportunity to interact with a lot of members, both one-on-one, -on -one, but also in some group settings. In particular, would love to highlight a right to repair panel we did, where we brought in dealers uh, from both the John Deere and Case IH space who were able to sit down with me and have an open and honest conversation about what it is the memorandums of understanding that have been signed by the American Farm Bureau and supported by Minnesota Farm Bureau are doing for farmers, how they're having access to the parts they need, and how we're continuing to create a dialogue, just like we did here at LEAP, to make sure that if farmers' needs aren't being met or if they need help understanding what it is they are getting through the MOUs and from their dealers, we're going to be right there to help in that process. I'm Whitney Pittman reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network. Go to the Red River Farm Network's website, rrfn.com. Sign up for the weekly Farm Net News newsletter. You can also download this broadcast. Follow us on Facebook and X, all at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. During the cattle industry convention, there were sessions on new technologies like artificial intelligence. Minnesota Beef Council member Hillary Paplow valued those sessions. I found that just incredibly interesting and a little bit overwhelming thinking about some of the jobs that are out there haven't even been created created yet. So our kids that are in elementary school, you know, we always ask them what they want to do when they grow up. Those jobs may not have even been created yet that they're going to end up doing, which is really mind-blowing and is really a cool thing to think about. Paplo says technology is used on her family's cattle business in southwestern Minnesota. Right now we use like iPads to help us load and feed the cattle. So it's using technology in that way. And we actually use a technology that monitors some of the health of the cattle right now. So we're using technology that back when my dad was first starting, never, he wouldn't have even fathomed. So I think we're really coming leaps and bounds from where we have been. And it's exciting to hear where we're going to go. 
With the profitability seen in the cattle industry, Elanco Animal Health Technical Consultant, veterinarian Dr. Wayne Ayers, is seeing an impact on management decisions. People are looking more and more, how do I be more efficient and how do I get more calves? That Those two things are, are the driver, right? That's what makes you money. And right now with, with, the, with our reduced cattle numbers, our markets are as high as they've ever been. And so if I can find a way to get a few more pounds here and a few more pounds there, with a three dollar, you know, calf for a five weight, that ends up a lot of money next fall. So, trying to trying to stay one step ahead of that, so I can capitalize on the market. That's that's very important. And Ayers says now is the time to be treating for internal parasite control. Come spring, then we're looking at when they when they come up um, in uh, June, July, say across the north. It's kind of June is end of June is when all these parasites are starting to build up on pasture. But if we've blunted it now, we won't. We hopefully won't have quite as many next spring because those aren't becoming females early in the year. Checking markets before we leave you this morning. Uh, lower across the board here in the grains. Right now, Minneapolis wheat 5 to 6 lower. Winter wheats are 7 to 8 lower. Corn is down 2 to 3 cents. And the soybeans trading 4 to 5 cents lower here this morning. On the farm calendar, we've got a lot of things going on here. The uh, annual American Sugar Beet Growers Association's annual meeting continuing in Orlando uh, through tomorrow. Also, uh, Nitrogen College uh, today and tomorrow. They'll be at Morton, put on by the University of Minnesota Extension. Again, that'll be at Jackpot Junction Casino. It gets underway at, at 9 a.m. this morning. Cow-Calf Day is also coming up tomorrow in Starbuck, Minnesota at uh, Jim Wolf's Sale Facility. The uh, Northern uh, soy, Corn and Soy Expo tomorrow at uh, Butler Arena at the Red River Valley Fairgrounds in West Fargo. That gets underway, I believe, at 7 a.m. for breakfast and uh, registration. Countryside Insurance in Buxton having, or rather Reynolds, having their uh, farmer update meeting tomorrow. That gets uh, underway from 9 to noon at the Reynolds KC Hall in uh, Reynolds. Uh, best of the best in wheat and soybean research coming up on Wednesday. It'll be at the Alaris Center in Grand Forks. Thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.